morning. You're listening to Mornings with Mubaraka, your Wednesday morning voice, where we talk about national issues from a local level through a lens of diversity. I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim, and we are talking about reflections of the Women's March today. So I am excited to have three guests today who all attended various marches. And um, they're all New Haven residents, and they are going to give us three different perspectives. So we have with us um, the former commissioner of the Office of Early Childhood Development, (laughs) Myra Jones-Taylor, who is a longtime New Haven resident, and she attended the Women's March with her family. We have um, Amber Whitfield, who is our millennial. um, Whitmore, Whitmire, Mittmeyer. Sorry, Amber Whitmire, who is who is uh, also a New Haven resident and attended the DC March, and Ann Hartman Massaro, who is the founder of the first Women Driven Action, um, which was the Women and Allies March that happened in 33 cities across the United States on December 12th, which was the first um, Women Driven Action after the election. Of, of of Trump and um, she's with us as well. Thank you, ladies, and I appreciate you joining us. Um, yeah, and I appreciate it. So we're ta- so the Women's March was a a march that um, so November twentieth, Donald Trump was inaugurated as the forty fifth president of the United States. January twentieth. I'm sorry, January twentieth. Oh, yeah. He was elected around in November, right? Uh, (laughs) um, And January 20th, he was inaugurated. January 21st, the numbers say three million women marched, not just in in opposition to his election, but also in solidarity with one another. Um, And the march was actually larger in attendance three times as the numbers that we have three times as many people attended the women's march um than the inauguration are you saying it's four now Anne is telling me that the latest numbers is that it is four times as many people attended the women's march as the inauguration um and those are not alternative facts (laughs) (laughs) just for the record AKA lies. <laughs> right? Those are not alternative facts. <laughs> so I thought that the that it would be certainly um, a good conversation to get different people's perspective. I did not attend the march. I was at home in bed with the flu, <laughs> watching it online. <laughs> and so I saw various parts of it between naps. The computer was in my bed, and I was like, hmm, that's a really good. <laughs> So I'll go back and watch it at some point. <laughs> um, and and so there, and the, there was actually marches, not just in the United States, but literally all over the world. Women every march continent. every single continent, even women in Antarctica. Yeah. Yeah. Was marching. Yep. <laughs> so that's really powerful. So one thing that I do have to say about him that he was correct is that he is setting all types of records. He has to be the most 
protested president <laughs> in the history of the United States. Um, <laughs> probably the smallest inauguration uh, in modern times. <laughs> so he does have several records that he is certainly setting. <laughs> um, and for some people, it's, it's really sad. You know, but some people, it's not so sad. Um, so when we talk about the Women's March, uh, tell me, and anybody can feel to chime in at any time, um, what was the, the premise behind the march that you understood? Well, in the beginning, the organizers, and this is one of the reasons I wasn't interested in the march for a long time. There were a couple of reasons. They called it a unity march. Yeah. Well, there's no, that's, there's not unity because women at all of the intersections are not, we're not participating in the organization of the march. And unity to me has always said, especially in white feminism, has always said women of color later. We'll hear from you later. Mm-hmm. That's what unity means. Just be quiet and be unified. Mm-hmm. So, so that was the initial when they first, um, when the march was first announced, that changed over time. Okay. So that was the first, that was, and it was not a protest. They made clear that it was um, to be a peaceful march and it was about unity. So that's how they announced it. Okay. And how did, how did it change from that? I, and you guys jump yeah. in here because, mm-hmm. you know, it changed, um, uh, they, were uh, they heard the criticism so later they invited you know organizers women of color to join in the organization of the march mm-hmm. that was later and the other thing that changed that concerned <laughs> me was that there was no agenda for when you go home when you go back to cities what do you do so we march so big deal we march so there is power for power's sake which i believe in numbers but there was no plan for that. There was no agenda. When the other three organizers came on, then an agenda was set by the Women's March. That's actually when I got interested as well. Um, initially, I also wasn't going to go because uh, if we're going to have any success, this movement needs to be intersectional. Right. Um, and I decided to go probably a couple weeks ago when I saw how inclusive they were being. Um, like you said, white feminism can be very, uh, very exclusionary. <laughs> yeah, and so I actually, I was so glad you started off with that because I didn't want to be the first one. But we're all in the same boat. <laughs> I also was not interested. You know, yeah. I saw this initially. It seemed like it was going to be a a mourners march for Hillary. And mm-hmm. listen, I voted for Hillary. I was devastated when she lost, but I was not interested in taking part in that kind of backward thinking. It was not um, intersectional, as we're saying. Um, and so when it became clear that it was going to be more um, inclusive, that it was really going to be about what is coming next. And I'm still worried about that, mm-hmm. frankly. You know, right. I think um, there was a, a nice tweet that they sent out like, OK, here's your first day of action. And it was sending, you know, downloading Postcards. a postcard yeah. and sending it to your car. I thought, oh, that's really weak. So we really have to take leadership here. And, and I see that happening at the local level. Frankly, I'm really disappointed in the DNC and that they have not. Um, they have done nothing. To, I, to fill this void, so we are filling it. And I, I think, totally and, agree. And we're doing a better job, Absolutely. frankly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so for me, this is really about um, making our voices heard. I was not going to, you know, talk about, pro- you know, protesting the election. That was no. done. It's about moving forward. Additionally, um, there was a, 
at the march there was a lot of i'm with her uh it was yeah it did seem a lot like it was a hillary morning march and i voted for hillary as well but i'm not with her mm. so this is this is in in dc you saw a lot of was there actually like signs and people saying yes, it? Yes, lots of lots of Hillary T-shirts, lots of lots of Hillary everything. But I'm sorry, I'm not with her because she doesn't seem to be with us right now. She she has kind of disappeared. Like after the, I, she was so, seen in the woods. <laughs> the, this is true, literally seen in the woods. Yeah. But I do have to say, I am really um, impressed with her. <sighs> It took a lot of strength to go to the inauguration. Ooh, yes, it it she was oh vilified. My God. So much. She it was did. vilified but by you know, those Republicans. Oh, yeah. I yeah, know. And was. for her to, I watched when she walked into the inauguration. I did not watch the inauguration very intentionally. And I have, and I told myself that at some point I should go back and actually listen to his speech myself. So I've done a couple of things. I've, I have not watched the inauguration. I have intentions of going to listen to his speech. So I have <laughs> actually avoided articles about his speech because I don't want it to, you know, uh, mm. make lean me one way or the other. And so at some point when I have calmed down, mm -hmm. <laughs> I will go back and listen to the speech and actually say, OK, well, I just need to hear what he actually said. But on that particular day, you know, as I'm scrolling my Facebook feed, I did see the little clip of her walking in um, with President Bill Clinton. And um, I felt so like my heart sunk for her because mm -hmm. I have to say, like, I think that I could rise above a lot of things, but I would have had the flu that day. Yeah. <laughs> been like real you. sick <laughs> i'm like you know i'm really sorry like they got enough money they could pay a hospital someplace to say like she was admitted you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. so i so i give it to you hillary for that because it took a lot of strength to just show up like talking about strength to just show up and be there and so uh, that 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 would have to be hard for her i have really mixed feelings about that because I, I think too. i think that what she did by showing up she validated Thank an you. illegitimate president. Oh, Thank you. That's I, how you know, I feel about it. Really, I, I, I do. I just feel like she, mm. what does that say to women across this country that she showed up to a man for the inauguration of an illegitimate president who clearly suppressed votes of black and brown voters across this nation mm. to get where he, where he is, who is backed by a white supremacist party, mm -hmm. who is oh Several. a sexual predator. I, you know, I, for me, it's like, I see you. I saw it as a demonstration of, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be up here, and I am going to stare you down. I'm going to be here, and I'm going to be dignified. And, oh, and I'm not going away. And there are a whole you oh, know, 65 million people that are here with me. And, and to your point about her not being there, you know, I think, were we checking where Romney was after he lost? And were we checking where McCain was after he lost? I don't think we were. I think... It's it's fair for her to step back a little bit, you know. Poor Al Gore, Jesus Christ. Oh, sorry, Lord. Uh, but you know, for him, <laughs> yeah. to, like, like that was. I can yeah, only that's imagine true. that was yeah. another presidency that is. was stolen, yes. right? And so, you know, like now in the age of Facebook and the the tweeting, and you know, I saw her in the woods. 
I think it's okay to give her some space. Absolutely. Oh, I really I do. But, but I and agree. I also think it should not be about her. Like, we have to move beyond this. I, I'm I actually agree. fine for her to kind of retreat and yeah. for us to say, okay, you lost. Yeah. We're sorry, but we're going to take this now. Yeah, mm. I, I agree. I think well, that's You know, true. I, I think that, so. It's just so, coming so, to that inauguration. So here's the yeah. other flip side of that coin is that, of course, she, I completely agree that she <laughs> deserves time, Right. But I think the flip side is it's kind of like the expectation that I had of Bernie Sanders after he lost is that, you know, I I was a Mm. huge Bernie Sanders supporter. I did vote for Hillary because she was the lesser of the two evils in my in my view. Uh, (laughs) And that's a whole nother argument I've had with people before. But Mm. (laughs) that's okay. But I think that because she has such a strong following and such a strong influence that it's almost like there's a responsibility for her to not completely disappear. And I feel the same right, way, yeah. the same way with President Barack Obama. Like, I go go ahead and get your your, your vacation, your vacation mm-hmm. and you get your reboot because we, we need you back here. Right, right? Yes. You, it's not over. Oh. And I was watching, I think it was an interview with him and he said, um, and they asked him what was he going to do afterwards. He said that he does not plan. What did he say? He said something like he doesn't plan on taking um, a leadership role unless he sees things like um, suppression of voting, unless he sees um, 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 pure discrimination. And I was like, oh, OK, so you got your running shoes on. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so in other words, yeah. you don't plan on going nowhere. <laughs> And put your running shoes back on. Yeah. <laughs> Come on home because you got work to do. Right. 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 <laughs> and I just think that that's just kind of like once you take the responsibility of leadership, especially yes. if you are going to be, you yeah. feel like you are qualified to be the president of the United States, then you you don't, unfortunately, you don't just get to disappear. No, you absolutely you don't. don't. You, you have, have a, res- a responsibility. Absolutely. You have a responsibility to, to people. So so take your 15 minute pity party and then come back <laughs> and show your face. Right. You got, you got something to do. But don't think you're going to lead us. You know this what I mean? No. Like, like, be we, there we for support. us, but we got this now. Absolutely. Like, you know, like, I really I don't think, think she is our leader right now. No. Like, no. we no. want a much more progressive movement yeah. than she's yeah. w- willing to lead. Mm. At this point, <laughs> I will take... You and I had this conversation before, like we were sitting here when you first, when I was first on your show and we were talking about, did I ever think that Mitt Romney would look good? I know. (laughs) You know, I mean, we had this conversation before I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I miss Bush. I know. (laughs) I hear you. I know at this point. Oh, Lord, I know. (laughs) If you're just tuning in, you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim, and this is Mornings with Mubaraka, also streaming live on newhavenindependent.org. And today we are talking with Amber Whitmire, Ann Hartman Massaro, and Meyer Myra <laughs> Jones Taylor about reflections of the women's march. And um, we've, I love the conversation so far. Like, we really, I think, I love the fact that everybody really has a different view and a different perspective. And I think that that is what the march seemed to bring in. So, so some of the things that I've read about the march to your point, Anne, is that, um, Linda Sarsour, one of the things that she posted um, was that initially 
when the march started, it was for white women, right? And right. then they incor- they brought in women of color and what she was um what she found hope in is that they were totally willing and open to listen. And I think that um, that is what really changed the game. Right. And I think that that's, to your point, how the evolution of the march changed is when women of color got involved. Not just any women of color. I mean, these are women who have definitely very powerful women, advocates, a history of advocacy and success in that. So, um, you know, I, I, I am particularly familiar with Linda Sassor and know, know her advocacy o- over many years. Um, and she is certainly uh, a veteran in av- both advocacy and um, and organizing. So I think that that made a huge, huge difference in both the pe- the people who are attending and the type of people who attended. Absolutely. Now, from from the watching the D.C. March It seemed to me with all of the different people that um, came on the stage that it really was they really did make an effort to show the intersectionality of the people who were there. You know, there was people representing um, LGBTQIA. My entire car (laughs) that went down was queer. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) There were people representing there was Muslim representatives. There were. Um, dis- people with disabilities. There were women in the feminist movement, Planned Parenthood. What else did I see? There was uh, um, uh, entertainers. It was intergenerational, which was yeah. really good. Oh, I mean, to have yes. to have Angela Davis there, mm. right? Gloria Steinem. I mean, to have some of the women who were so critical um, to early. Um, black civil rights and feminist movements was mm. really, I thought, really great mm. and the most powerful speech. Uh, Gloria Steinem gave a, a very, I did see her speech um, between my naps. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, like, prior to I recently, not just the March, but I read a couple of things, um, um, articles about her a few days. Like, I knew who she was. But I wasn't like, ooh, Gloria Steinem, yeah. yay. <laughs> yeah. But then I'm like, ooh, that, what did what she say? She on TV? Because <laughs> right? she said some really powerful things. But here's here's a really what was a reflection for me for some conversations that I've had in the past as far as kind of like um, how a lot of what is considered like the feminist movement and and working for women's right is not transferring to the younger generation. And I think one of the reasons why that has happened is that there has not been a lot of intergenerational uh, um, events because the, the thing that I, I see that's different for, from, I guess the uh, people like Gloria Steinem is that she's not afraid to talk about the disjointness of women of color in the feminist movement versus white women. Whereas today I don't see a lot of younger meaning, not even just younger, like 20 year olds, but even people in their forties and fifties, it's almost like, the white feminists of that range, and I think Gloria is like in her seventies or something. She's eighty something. Yeah, awesome. I think she, is. <laughs> she looks great. <laughs> um, so, I, and so that's not a conversation. <laughs> 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 that 
that's not a conversation that I see with kind of like that mid range. I'll, I'll call them the mid range white feminists. It's like it, it, there's been a glossing over of we all have the same issues and we're all women, and right. there's no recognition that there's a difference. There's a huge difference in being a black woman than being a white woman. It's different I, issues. I don't want to let Gloria completely off the hook. I still harbor wounds from her when uh, she talked about Barack Obama in the first uh, election. Okay, see, and I, I've see, I didn't up, know about that. Yeah, well, <laughs> and I and I probably shouldn't say too much, but I, I just remember feeling really wounded by her. And then, you know, Teresa Younger, amazing Connecticut um, leader for women here, um, who's now running the Ms. Um, Foundation. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, okay, Teresa's there. All right, I'm good. But... <laughs> But I don't want to get away from your point about this being, you know, intergenerational. And that was really moving for me to see mm. octogenarians marching into Grand Central mm-hmm. Station with their signs and, mm. and feeling at once so grateful and inspired, but so pissed off and sad that here you are in your 80s. Yeah. And you're fighting. here still fighting. Mm. And, and that, that, for the same things, too. Not right. even for anything yeah. new. Yeah. Right. I yeah. saw a sign of a. Fighting one of to the, have them not taken away. One exactly. of the pictures that I saw was of an older woman, and she looked like she was like in her 90s. And the sign was like, I am so tired of holding this yes. sign. Yes. yes. <laughs> I believe that woman is <laughs> I can't in her 90s. Yeah. 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 Again. Yes. Exactly. She was amazing. Exactly. Yeah. She was that, amazing. That, yeah. And so to your point, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So one of the reasons why I um, asked you, Myra, is you brought your whole family. Yes. You brought your husband, your two kids. What made you bring everybody? You know, I so like I said earlier, I was not planning on going. I was really it just was not how I was going to um, resist. Mm-hmm. And it was my son, my 11 year old son, when he found out that his two kids, really dear friends that he's known since they were infants, you know, they learned to walk and talk together, really, that they were going. He wanted to go and he wanted to lend his support and he wanted to be a part of this. And for that, that moment, I was like, all right, I'm in. And it was so powerful to see this, you know, 11 year old boy, his two 11 year old buddies and my 13 year old daughter standing there holding signs and people kept on stopping to take their pictures and thank them. They had these amazing signs. We had a sign-making party, and I should show you the list of their ideas. Amazing. Brilliant. Save it. That's so, a great, I have them. You yeah. should post that. Uh, yeah. Believe me, girl, they're out there. But one was, you know, one was um, consent. My clothes are not my consent. This is an 11-year-old, oh right? Wow. And he wrote that? <laughs> and she did. This is, she this did. is she one did. of the girls. My, wow. my son had a sign that was, you know, the intersectionality of, you know, the the gender sign of women and men and a rainbow color. Mm. So, you know, that's, but that, no, but a little bit different. And then mm. rainbow. So, I mean, he's like, this is an 11 year old coming wow. there saying, I am here and this is not, my mother will not be marching for this same stuff. Mm. I, I will not allow her to march mm. 40 years from now. I will not be bringing my grandchildren with my mom <laughs> doing this. And we, we did, there was a grandmother, mother, you know, three generation right, right. part of our group. And that was really powerful um, for me. Uh-huh. So it was, and for my daughter, um, she was there. Short story, she got to meet Tina Fey, who is her absolute awesome. hero. <laughs> and she saw her in the, in the crowd and ran up to her. And uh, uh, it was very powerful, I think, for her to see this woman who she's idolized mm-hmm. out there um, among the us. people marching right. with us. So right. for me and my husband, who um, ushered all of us into the women's bathroom, and that was, you know, he was doing his part. It, it was just really, for us, it was um, so important. Sean Spicer, Kelly Conway are now 
you know, daily members of our conversation or, you know, part of our conversation at dinner. Uh, and so for them to be rooted to this and be connected to the political um, scene right now is really important. for me. How do you navigate talking to an 11 and 13 year old about the things that are happening? Because one of the things that I have to say the the day after I w- woke up and uh, after the inauguration, after the election, I said mm-hmm. to myself, thank God my youngest child is 16. Mm-hmm. I would not even know how to start this conversation with an eight-year-old who's so aware. Mm-hmm. And I had colleagues and friends telling me that their five-year-olds were literally <laughs> crying in their lap. And I'm like, oh, my God, as a mother, I just could not even. So that was actually my silver lining <laughs> for, <laughs> for like the first week was... I have a very thoughtful, intelligent 16-year-old. We can actually have a real conversation. I don't, because you don't want to dumb it down, but you also don't want to frighten them. Right, absolutely. So how do you, how do you as a mom with kids that age have that conversation? I think they had the benefit of having eight years of Barack Obama. (laughs) And so that is their first experience with the president, you know, and that Mm. is... My daughter was in kindergarten. My son was still in preschool. And, and so they know what is possible. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, just being, we're very frank. I mean, we have all kinds of frank conversations. Um, so really, it's just about having open conversation and dialogue. I make them read the New York Times. I make them watch things um, so that they are informed because they really are. We are going to be relying on them, right? Mm-hmm. Not too long from now. My daughter will be voting, not this next election, but the, the following. So mm. they both will. Um, so for me, it's about being doing my civic duty as a parent to have informed children and okay. and to have empowered children. So you you talk you tell them you do you not oh, hold yes. anything back? No, we don't. You don't hold anything <laughs> back. Okay, we really don't. <laughs> that's that's how my husband and I okay. have always been with them. Okay, yeah. All right. Well, I think that's the the most powerful speech. Speaking of children, to me, the most powerful speech at that Washington march was Sophie Cruz, mm. six years old. Mm. If you listen to none other, go on YouTube. Everybody go on YouTube. Do Sophie Cruz Women's March. She's six years old. She stood there with her family. They're Hispanic. I think probably they're from Mexico from looking at their, because I've seen now pictures of their clothing, what they, the the traditional dress that they wore. She was, I mean, I, I could cry just thinking about her. And she said, I'm here to tell the children. Do not be afraid. You are not alone. Wow. It was, it was, it, it was just the best. It, and so there were all these hashtag Sophie Cruz 2020. You know, <laughs> there might be yeah. 16. Right, you know? right. <laughs> but if you hear none other, no other speech, you have to listen to her. Wow. To speak to the general size of the march, um, I was, I was sort of trapped in, in the plaza and I couldn't hear any of the speeches. Like, they didn't have televisions. There were televisions, and you um, still couldn't hear. No, I st- I could didn't see a screen, didn't hear yeah, a speech was... until I got home and you watched know, them all on YouTube. You know that reminded <laughs> me of we went to um, the initial inauguration of President Barack Obama, and we actually had to choose either go to the actual inauguration or proceed to the parade route where we can actually get a closer. And so we, it was mm. me, my sister, our husbands, our kids. And so we had to take a vote. And I was actually the only one who wanted to go to inauguration. So we went to the parade route, which I'm glad <laughs> we did. And 
when we were waiting to get when he was being inaugurated, everybody had like their phones and little portable TVs and everybody was like gathered around. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, <laughs> that was actually like how old we heard school block yeah, party, yeah, right? That's exactly how we heard his speech and him being inaugurated. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was no phones going on. The only time I knew that a speech had happened was when a woo would come up from the crowd. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I the was towers like, what? went the cell towers went down. Yeah. Yeah. Really? There it was, was so much traffic. Yeah, not enough bandwidth. Wow. In DC at the Women's Market. Yeah, in oh, DC. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It was slow None in New York. Had service. No, nobody had service. So, so we didn't no... hear a lot about the New York March. Were there speeches? Were there. No, there were no speeches. At least we didn't get to any. Um, and it was just filling Midtown Manhattan with hordes and hordes of people. And the signs, and you know, we've all seen the signs. And unfortunately, New York hasn't gotten as much coverage in the kind of posters. Oh. That um, DC and others in LA, in LA but Denver. New York, yeah. New York was amazing. So and was it just like you you were walking from one point to the to right. the other? So okay. it was from Grand Central Station to Trump Tower. Okay, uh, we never even got there because it was we were going so slowly, so and we really? had young kids and you know a seven year old, and we were seventy year old, and we were ready to turn it in but um it was we were packed chuck schumer went by it was yeah but there were no speeches not that i ever heard i think there was supposed to be but a staging ground but people just filed in and uh, i heard the best chant from new york though my my girlfriends marched to new york and they said new yorkers hate trump (laughs) (laughs) new york hates trump so the only thing that i did see from new york was that people w- left their signs at Trump Towers. Yeah. <laughs> we did that the in D.C. as well. We did that, we did did that at the Capitol. Oh, yeah. Oh, you left them at the Capitol. At, we left them at Trump Tower and the Capitol. Yeah. Oh, and the White okay. House. Or the Trump building. Oh, the hotel. Yeah. The oh, hotel. Yeah. Right. Uh, there's a new hotel in D.C.? A new Trump Oh, yeah. Hotel? Okay. Oh, the old post office. You, that's, that's where his... he gave uh, one of his um, press... Oh, okay, okay, okay. But of course, it's not okay. a conflict of interest no. for no. him to own all these properties. No. And, and, and make diplomats who come from other countries to see him at the New York White House mm-hmm. um, stay at his properties. Wow. Okay. I, 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 <laughs> well, I, I don't know. He's rented that building in D.C. Um, and he's not supposed to. Nobody, nobody who's renting a building of that nature is supposed to be in office. Yeah, I, I, I saw I saw that clause and that was supposed to be when he turned his business over to his kids. Yeah. The interesting thing is that, I, you know, I was really... Uh, and I and I told myself, like, this is today is going to be kind of like my last day talking a lot about politics because it's just I can't take the amount. It's just it's overwhelming for me. And so for um, every, I think for a lot I of sh- people, I shouldn't say mm-hmm. not my last day. I'm not going to focus. I have been really focused in the, like even my, my, my I was watching something the other day. And my uh, 21 year old, he says to me, he was like, mommy, you know more about Trump than Trump know about himself. <laughs> That's not a stretch. <laughs> no. I was like, oh, no, your enemies is getting too much. Exactly. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe this is getting too much. But so uh, so I did read yesterday. He signed a um, he signed an executive order for the um, pipeline um, mm-hmm. to be continued and the conflict of interest is that he actually owns stock right. in the company yeah. right. and he owns a part of a company that owns 25%. He owns uh, um, a piece of the company that owns 25% of it. So this well, is going to be... How about two days after the march? 
two days after millions of people, mostly women, showed up across this world, he signs. Yep. Mm-hmm. Globe. And one day after Roe v. Wade, one day after the forty fourth anniversary of Roe v. Wade. Wade. Okay, and so 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 let's explain what the global gag order is because a lot of people don't know it is. So my understanding is it's it's actually far worse than what happened originally. So this was originally passed under Reagan. That's right, and then um, continued under George Herbert Walker Bush, and then Bill Clinton rescinded it. It went back, yeah, (laughs) so back and forth. And basically, what it does is it. Um, prevents uh, other nations from getting any f- any United States support, you know, dollars um, for their health clinics if they talk about abortion, if they make that available, any information, any information on abortion, even wow. if it's funded from other sources. Right, it so just they are it not can't allowed even to happen inside the organization. Exactly. No, it's the right. same wow. way they're trying to defund fund Planned Well, that's exactly. what that's Parenthood. what this right. is all Which, precursor. But, they're going uh, to defund all. Women's I, health organizations. But I read in this that country. this is the defunding of Planned Parenthood. It, it is. is. It's also for in the United States. Right. As well. So separately, the House just voted on a bill to uh, take away funding for um, Medicaid, um, Medicaid funding for abortions, um, to make it. Uh, there's a tax. Um, you know, you're taxed more heavily, I guess, if you're a small business owner and you offer. Uh, medical insurance that covers abortion. So this was just put out through the house. Really? And, yes. And so when they start going after Roe v. Wade, they start going after our ability to have control over our bodies in terms of just having birth control. Um, we need to rise up. And I, I said this last night I'm on Facebook. Did- I'm not kidding. We need to think about having a day of resistance, a few days of resistance where we we remove ourselves from the workforce. I completely if, agree. I'm not. So I think we, need, and I think we need a hunger yeah. strike. I right. read as because well. Yeah. I read as well that um, that the part of the repeal of Obamacare was not to cover birth control. Did I read that correctly? Right. Yeah. Yes. Right. Okay. All right. So there are. I've been working on this a lot. There are um, ha- over nearly half of all pregnancies in the United States are unintended. Wow. They're they're mistimed. Mm-hmm. They just weren't planning on having a child. I got pregnant twice on birth control. <laughs> right. And some of the most effective birth control is um, these IUDs, yep. long acting reversible contraceptives mm-hmm. that are now available through Medicaid because of the Affordable Care Act. Right. They're, I'm sorry, because they're through Medicaid and through private insurers. Um, and they have to be covered unless very slim. Except for the Hobby Lobby decision where exactly. if you are an employer uh, and, and it doesn't agree with your religious values, right. then you do mm-hmm. not have to cover you don't them. Have to cover it. Mm-hmm. But if we start pulling this away, guys. We are ta- yeah. we are actually adding to abortions. Yeah, so do I. Girl, right. don't take away my marina. No. <laughs> <laughs> High five all around for marina. <laughs> Seriously, they they co- if they're not covered, they cost more than a thousand dollars. So here is yeah. the interesting thing about this: Rise is that for, up. So here's Sorry. the so <laughs> so a, um a couple of last show I um I had a, a public health expert Khadija Gora on my show, and the interesting thing about the Medicaid coverage is uh, for people who are like, oh, well, you know, I don't care about birth control and I'm anti-abortion, women and whatever. Children. It's not mm-hmm. just about the, the what she was point. What she pointed out was that when you take away Medicaid, that it actually um, removes a huge segment, particularly women from being insured and the mortality rate right. of women 
post-pregnancy and during pregnancy increased significant. And the women that it affects the most are black women. Uh, she gave us a stat that the mortality rate for women having babies in Texas is the equivalent of Bangladesh. Like mm-hmm. that is the mortality. Like that's insane to me. So it's not just going a, up. Right it's not just well. about to me. It's not just about birth control. If you don't, if for whatever your religious belief does not allow you to do birth control, okay, that's you. Everybody has the right to do their thing. It's not just about. Uh, abortions. If you're anti-abortion, that's absolutely fine. But it's about the all of the things other than that that comes with women's health and, and health care, right? So if you are defunding a clinic because they give abortion as an option, then you're not just, you, especially in countries that are third world countries who depend on the United States for funding, that completely changes that one clinic that was a hundred mile radius of every village can shut down. Right. And you literally have women who are dying because just because that clinic had a brochure about abortions, right? right? right. So, so that is a bigger issue. It's, it's not looking, to me, it is, what I call that pinhole view of the world, right? It's all about this one issue. It's not about one issue. It's much larger than that. And if you're, you know, if you vote on economics, it is a six, it's, you save $6 for every $1 that you invest or you mm. put toward um, long-acting reversible contracept- contraceptive. So if you are a fiscal conservative, this is good policy, mm-hmm. giving women access to birth control and again if you're politically you know you're religiously you can't do it that's fine but there are millions of other women who rely on it so let's not right, take right, that absolutely right, right. and additionally if you are pro-life then you need to be pro all of life yes not just when it's you a need baby. to take care of these babies and these yes. children that don't have food i mean we you're look you know in working with ruby sales our our partner in in sisters in struggle um who is one of the most brilliant, if she's ever in town, you've got to have her on your show. Well, let me know. <laughs> Amazing woman. She's going to be speaking at a church in Bridgeport, Mount Airy. Okay. So we are coming to the end of our show. And I want, what I, I know it goes too fast, right? We're going to have to have just like a Facebook live show and just like talk <laughs> yes. for like two hours. Um, so what I, so tell me, one of the things that came up from all of you was, Initially, you wasn't interesting in marching for marching's sake. Mm-hmm. What are the action steps that you have for yourself that people may be able to take away? What What do we need to do now? Not another march, but what is what do people need to do? You know, it's so interesting because you know our first actions in our alliance with Sisters in Struggle was we did a huge action on voter suppression, mm-hmm. which I think is still. Mm-hmm. The most relevant topic, most relevant topic, because because it is about white people controlling and determining what democracy is. Mm-hmm. Right. It's what the civil rights. And this is coming with. from the white lady, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. White lady who worked in the civil rights movement in the South. There you go. <laughs> but it is. It's 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 taking away. It's letting white people, this is a white supremacist agenda. No white male supremacist, no question about this Mm -hmm. underlying Trump, underlying all of the cabinet appointments, underlying our, so if we think we can work through our legislature, it is a falsehood right now. So 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 I think it has to be community organizing. Look at successful movements. Look at the civil rights movement, for example. That was, uh, and marching was a big deal then because 
of the way black people were treated in the South mm. and weren't allowed to gather and weren't. A, so marching was a real statement of of resistance. Right. And so we have to find those things that are real statements of resistance now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it has to be, I think it has to be community organizers. It has to be racism and sexism, especially racism depend on containment. They keep us in contained. So you never reach the heart and soul of a person who is different from you. Amber, what's your, what is your action step? So, I, I also don't believe that we can work through the legislature. So I am getting involved in some grassroots organizations uh, here in Connecticut. I'm actually going to be talking to this wonderful woman here uh, now um, because I'm not exactly sure how to get involved. Like, I know that sending postcards isn't enough. I know that calling Paul Ryan and, and getting his voicemail isn't enough, you know? so Because right, he, really he could just turn off his phone. Well, and exactly. <laughs> I'm really looking for direction. Okay. Myra, what's, I, your, what's the action step? Yeah, I think we all are. And I think one thing is really taking risks, like actually saying we are willing to sacrifice things that are very dear to us mm. because it's gotten to that point. I mm. mean, this is right. scary tyranny. This is the beginning of a totalitarian regime. And so Absolutely. that's get, exactly right. Make taking Absolutely. risks, organizing, getting together. Call, I think we can need to continue working through the legislature, but this has to happen at multiple levels mm. and we cannot shut each other down. Um, we have, right. and we've got to start bringing those sensible Republicans over. I think Absolutely. they have got to be terrified. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people are having buyer's remorse. Yeah. I hope. <laughs> really? I know. Anne's like, uh-uh. <laughs> right. yeah, I, no, no, those Republicans got I their own Thank you, ladies, thank so you. much. This was such an awesome show. One of my favorites, for sure. Uh, we have to do this again. If you are uh, listening, you've been listening to... WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio. This was Mornings with Mubaraka. And until next Wednesday, I'm going to remind you to be a voice and not an echo.